in a world filled with information. Where do you turn to get straight talk about retirement, investments, and your money? Lock it in to the longest-running financial talk show in Arkansas and let us help you build the bridge between information and application. Real financial change begins right here, and it starts with you. It's showtime! Well, have you had about enough of the stock market lately? Nobody seems to be feeling very good about it. On today's Get Ready for the Future show, how to remember that good investments don't always equal good feelings. This is the Get Ready for the Future show. Yes, we are talking about our feelings today on the Get Ready for the Future show (laughs) as we welcome you in. My name is Scott Inman along with John Shrewsbury and Tim Key. Good to have you with us. What the heck are we doing here? Three three guys, right? Yeah, Yeah, three guys. We're going to be your psychiatrists today. Go ahead and lay down to listen to the podcast (laughs) on your couch today and take a deep breath and think about how you feel about the stock market. Mm. Mm. Boy, the stress level just went up, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, just a bit. Yeah. When you think about what we've been through just in the first two months of 2023, it's kind of picking up where it left off in 2022. Highly volatile. January, according to the S&P 500, John, was up about more than 5%. Yep. And February was down about three and three quarters. That's right. Just shy of four. So we went up and we went back down. And we know in our minds that that's the way this thing works, right? You, you I, know, uh, the the gurus have a highly technical term for that, don't you? Volatility? Choppy. Choppy, yes. Choppy. That's highly that's technical. That's highly technical. Choppy. Bumpy ride, you know, whatever you want to call it. I, I think in our minds, we can very easily get there if we've been investing for longer than a year or two, right? We understand this is how this thing goes. It is a roller coaster ride. But here's the deal. It's easier to deal with it When it happened like it did in March of 2020 during the beginning of the COVID pandemic, right? We understood. Things were out of control. Things were happening in the country that we'd probably never seen in our lifetime. Our our economy was shut down by the government. Yeah, the market went down 30%. Man, we hated to see it, but we understood. And then, lo and behold, 60 days later, we're right back to where we started from. That's easy to deal with. What's, I think, harder is when we get into these prolonged stretches. And we've been in one now. We're, we're really, I guess, 14 months, right? January of 2022 was the all-time highs of the S&P 500. We've come off of those and never come back. We're not even close to them. 14 months of just grinding every day, watching that thing move. And I, and I get it. It wears on investors, no matter how experienced they are. Well, I think the thing now, and at least for me, as I'm looking at all of the data that we have available to us here at GenWealth, there's just so much conflicting information. Yes. Uh, you you read uh, one analyst who says we're going off the side of the uh, of the mountain. You know we're just uh, deep plunge. It's going to be terrible. You read another analyst and it's you know things are not all that bad. Happy days are here again. You know the market's doing uh, what we would expect it to do in this. And, and so I can understand that you know when there's confusion, there's frustration, mm-hmm. and when there's frustration when it comes to your money, then that kind of raises, as you said, Scott, the the, the tension level, if you will, and, and the, the, the stress goes up as far as, uh, you know, your well-being is concerned, because all of this is really tied to your personal finances. Yeah, no one can really agree on which direction we are going to go. I think everyone says choppy, and but are we going to go choppy higher, choppy lower? Where's it going to go between now, six months, 12 months from now? And I think that's what we really have to have a plan for. We know that over the long term, the market's going to do well. But I think there's so many things that have happened over the last couple of years with COVID and 
all the money that was printed by the government. A lot of people still are spending. Um, unemployment's still very low, but inflation's high. There's a lot of dynamics in place right now that we just haven't seen before, so we really don't have history to tell us what might happen. Mm. Scott, I think that, that uh, first of all, I, let me just say that I would be choppy high as opposed to choppy low. You know, I would take that <laughs> flavor uh, yes. for sure. But I think where the the rubber meets the road on this and where people need to pay attention to what we're saying today is that, first of all, if you don't have a need to do something, mm. then don't do it. Right. And volatility and the market going up and down. And by the way, feeling good yes. is not a need. Right, right. Provision of money is a need. Yeah. But feeling good is not a need. You're not supposed to always feel good about investing because investing is not always an upward trend. Yeah. Good investments do not always equal good feelings. We all felt really good in 2021 when the market was on a straight up trajectory. In fact, the max pullback during 2021 was 5%, right? We didn't have to deal with much uncertainty in 2021. But I think we got over exuberant about that. And the recency bias plays into effect there, right? When we can very quickly, I can, I'm going to go ahead and admit that in my own accounts, I can get very used to everything going straight north, right? Hey, this is the way it's going to go, right? So it is hard to see those pullbacks and then to see the uncertainty, the data that's coming out. You know, John, I don't know that I mean, have you been you've been in the industry a lot longer than Tim and I, but have you ever seen a uh, time where good news is perceived as bad news and bad news is perceived as good news? And you don't know the market, how, how the market's going to feel. You talk about emotional. The, the big time investors are emotional right now. Yeah. And and here's the, the other jumping off point. That I think as an individual investor, you need to know what goes on on a day-to-day yeah. or even week-to-week uh, you know, time period on Wall Street has absolutely zero to do with you, your personal finances, and your long-term plan. Now, does it have an effect on your day-to-day account balance? Absolutely. It surely does. But you have to understand the disconnect between those day-to-day and week-to-week things that go on and the aspect of you reaching financial independence. You reaching financial independence is the the prime directive. If you want to go back to the old Star Trek days, you know, their their prime directive was to to do no harm and to to leave things as they found them as they explored the universe. As you explore your universe of financial independence, your prime directive is financial independence. You need to get there. So you have to evaluate, okay, how am I going to get there and feel good about it? Well, number one, you've got to understand that you can't be in an asset class that exchanges risk for return and feel good all the time. It just doesn't work that way. You're never going to feel good all the time. If you got to feel good all the time, then you're probably going to relegate yourself to a relatively low rate of return that somebody will give you in exchange for that risk. Let me take you back to the uh, 80s when the time of action heroes and they were Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger and, you know, getting fit, working out and getting buff. That was the big deal right back in the 1980s. And what was the slogan that came out of that? No pain, no No gain. gain. That that's that's the 
fitness equivalent <laughs> of what we're talking about here. You've got to put up with the rocky road to get to the longer perspective. And Tim, we say it all the time. You really shouldn't, you know, we're not stock pickers here. We're long-term financial planners. And if you're going to get into that asset class, as John talked about, an asset class that over time has outpaced inflation, you've got to be in it for the long haul. It is the long haul. And I think in your 30s and 40s and probably even early 50s, you don't mind those ups and downs. Yeah, it doesn't feel good when you see your account balance go down. But I think when you're in your late 50s and your 60s, you're closing in on that date that you might have planned for retirement. And all of a sudden you look and your balance is down 15 or 20 percent because we there weren't any changes made. All of a sudden you start freaking out a little bit thinking, mm-hmm. am I going to how much longer am I going to have to work and all that? But I think in a lot of cases, you know, you're not going to need all those assets day one of retirement. And you really need someone to sit down with you and put t- together a retirement income plan you still may be perfectly on track to retire on that date that you had selected a few years back or whatever that goal might be. So I think, you know, really it is the long haul. And when you go into retirement day one, you still have a long haul in front of you because you might have a 25 or 30 year retirement that still requires those higher risk assets to produce those better returns over the years. Scott, Anna Olive, our new client coordinator who really does uh, a great job of introducing people to Gen Wealth and getting them, you know, into the uh, into the equation, does a wonderful job. You were going to say something? I was just going to say she's she works with new clients. She's not our new client coordinator. Right. She's been with us a long time. <laughs> yes. But she brings in yes. new clients. She, gotcha. she, she is the intake person yes. uh, for new clients. Yes. She tells me that... Uh, she's hearing a lot of people be uh, yep. somewhat concerned and even putting off retirement because yep. the market is is being volatile and they they go I you know I'm just uh, I don't feel good about it I'm just going to wait. Mm-hmm. I think that's a major mistake. Mm-hmm. I think that you are exchanging a temporary risk, which is the volatility of the market for what could be a really big risk. Mm -hmm. And the really big risk is you losing the time that you would have in retirement to enjoy all the things that you've dreamed about, all the things that you've thought about, the time with your family, the time with loved ones, the trips that you want to take. All of that is being maybe unnecessarily delayed because you're acting on a feeling as opposed to the facts. And I think, Scott, what we would implore people to do is to uh, look at the facts over feelings and then judge whether or not it's time to retire. Yeah, you don't want investment paralysis at this point, or should I really say planning paralysis, because maybe your investments do need to be kind of left alone while the market is down, but you don't need to uh, delay the planning process for your future because of uncertainty in the short term. And we've got to, we're going to be pretty chart heavy uh, on today's Get Ready for the Future show. So those of you listening to only the audio version uh, want to encourage you to check us out on the live stream uh, video portion of this, which you can find on YouTube or you can find on our GenWealth Facebook page. But we've got one here when you think about the uncertainty of the market and boy, you know, I'm just going to wait till things calm down, right? That's that's kind of the comment, right? Yep. I, I, I want to wait till things are smoother going. Well, let's see. Let's put up our first chart, Casey, if you could. And some examples of reasons not to invest. If you were seeing us on the video channel, you think about that long list. And what we're seeing here on this chart, John, is going back to 1999 uh, and the time span all the way through 2021. And 1999 was what? The Y2K fear, right? Remember, yeah, but- everybody thought when the 
when the calendar turned on January 1 of 2000, the computers were going to take over and shut down the world, right? Yep. And everybody freaked out over that. And that could have been, you know, it's not the same uh, crisis of the day or crisis de jour, as Janet likes to call it, as we're facing right now with recessions and interest rates and uh, high inflation. But if you would have if you would have taken an approach to, you know what, I'm not going to be in the market right now because things are uncertain. Well, follow that line from 1999 and the event of Y2K over to the cumulative return of the S&P 500 since that time. So that's 22 years, roughly 21, 22 years. It is up cumulatively 467 percent since that time and think about how you may have if you lived through that time and i did i actually got married that year (laughs) so i remember just starting my family or beginning to start my family right there with all of that fear and uncertainty i remember how it felt it was very real but if i let my emotions drive my investment decisions and again not able to separate that good investments don't always equal good feelings I might have parked that money and with at least some of it never gotten back in and missed out on the upward ride of 467%. I'm going to ask Casey to put that uh, chart back up one more time because I want to point out something very critical here. Notice that where the chart starts in 1999 and goes all the way to 2021, guess what? Every year, there is a reason not to invest. Mm. So if you're out there today and you are thinking about, or maybe you already have decided that you're going to put off retirement till things settle down. I want to ask you very earnestly, when is that going to be? If you look at history, there's always some reason not to move forward. And I will guarantee this to you. History will repeat itself. Going into the future, there will always be some reason not to move forward. So when will it be okay for you to jump back in or to move forward? You can't base it on the events of the day, I think, is is the key part uh, that that I would point out here, Scott. Yeah, and I think the other part of that, John, when you talk about the clients uh, or the, uh, the potential clients that Anna is talking to, and some of them are resistant to uh, doing anything right now. It may be related to, I don't want to be in the market because of the uncertainty. And I think we've dispelled that. But I think the other reason too is, is a concern over, I don't want to touch anything the way it is mm-hmm. right now because I'm in XYZ investment and it's down 20%. And I don't want to get out of XYZ investment while it's down 20%. And I think the 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 genesis of that's a good idea. That, I mean, that's good. I think the 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 thing that we need to tell, talk to people about is, you know, when you get when you begin to talk about reshuffling the deck investment wise, it doesn't mean that you won't ride that investment up just like you rode the other one down. Yeah, if you think about this sort of a, an analogy of a couple of elevators running together in a building, in our building that we're in right now, we have two elevators side by side that go up and down uh, to carry people uh, up to the seventh floor and all the way down to the first floor. So if you go down in one elevator and the other elevator follows you down and you get off on a floor and get back on this elevator and ride this elevator back up, does it matter which elevator you were in as long as you go back up? It, the the key here is this if you sell and get out of the market when the market is down tim that's probably not a great move but if you sell and get back into the market because you're moving from let's say a 401k to an ira 
then you're basically exchanging a market-based investment for a market-based investment, and you have just as much potential on the upside in one as you did in the one that you were in before. Yeah, things just continue as they are. There might be a brief time when the money's in transit, but that's about it. But yeah, there's a lot of good cases for you know, maybe making a transition from one investment to another, to a different asset class or something like that, that, you know, really helps round out your portfolio. 401ks are great um, accumulating um, tools, but most 401k plans um, are very limited in what they offer as far as investments go. And when you're in an IRA, I mean, really the whole universe is your um, investment pool at that time. You've got so many different options. And so being able to get out of one um, 401k, and really it's all according to the plan. The plan really needs to be built and we need to know what exactly, you know, looking forward, what your goals are to make sure that we have the investments properly allocated. And that's that's the thing too, Tim, you just hit on it, the plan, you know, that we can talk about the investment part of that, of moving money from a 401k to an IRA. But the other thing is, is if you're staying in that 401k, you're likely not getting advice and you're likely not getting a plan. That's right. And you're likely going to be subject to what comes next. And and I think this is an interesting chart as well. Let's go to the second chart uh, that we've got here, because what this takes a look at is the interday, interyear declines, rather, the annual returns that you see on the top of that uh, bar chart. May have to squint to see this. Yeah, it's it's kind of small, (laughs) but uh, the S&P 500 interday declines versus the calendar year returns. So what you see here is that it's very common during... During the year for the S&P 500, sometime during a 12-month period of time, to be down 14.2% on average. But you know that that's not the average rate of return of the S&P 500. So there's always going to be some event coming up that you're going to regret because you, you, you're you going to look at that event very closely and go, man, I shouldn't have done this. But long term, when you look at the performance of, of any market like the S&P 500, that's where you see the positive returns. But you've got to have the right perspective on this. Now, I will admit, guys, uh, I can hear people out there talking back to, to us uh, through the computer screen or the radio or whatever. And they're saying, yeah, but I, if I retire, I'm going to need that money right now. Yes, you are going to need some money now and you want to keep that money powder dry but the other money that you're going to need for long term you're going to have that invested and you need to have a long-term perspective on that as well you know i think about this and again that chart in case if you could put that back up for us just real quick it, it is very busy and it's hard to really pick out much of anything but if you can just look at the colors you can see the years of the s p 500 that were positive are in gold and the years that they were negative are in blue Now, take a quick scan of that. You see a lot more gold than blue, don't you? I mean, over that time frame from 1980 through 2021, and really it's through the first couple of months of 2020, I'm sorry, it's through 2022 and even the couple of months of this year. So it's very up to date all the way back to 1980. It's rare that the market is down much at all. And the other thing I would point out, there aren't too many places in there you can find two blue bars side by side. So think about what happened and we had in 2022, we were down you don't see too many that are down in a row. But the other thing I would point back to bringing it back to the emotional side of this, guys, is look at 2020. Now, 2020, what do you remember about 2020? And I think it's as we get farther out, it's becoming more and more a blur. That whole COVID 
pandemic year, <laughs> the first year of it, was really just a blur in our minds. But we remember the economic shutdown. We remember, as we referenced earlier in this show, the uh, pullback in March of 2020. You see on that 2020 line, negative 34%. That was the intraday drop. or intra, yeah. I'm sorry, intra-year drop. That was the most severe it was down during the calendar year. But look above that. And it's a blue line. It's a significant blue line. It's up 20, you, 27%. Do you really think about 2020 being that good of a year? No, you, you don't. don't. You think, you remember, and this is a, a very much psychology. You talked about psychology at the top of the show, Scott. Uh, psych, psychologically, you feel losses way more than you feel the gains. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were going to... Uh, uh, prompt me on this scott but i remember (laughs) i remember a trip one time that i took to mississippi i was supposed to go down and teach an investment class to some people that were coming into the investment business and and i did that i went down and did that but along the way i I got lured into uh stopping at the casino in vicksburg because got lured into (laughs) literally i was hungry and they had all this these plates of food on the billboards and i'm like man that looks good i'm gonna go try that and and then i got lured over to the blackjack tape and I won $400 at the blackjack table in a fairly short amount of time while I was in Vicksburg. Well, I later drove to uh, Hattiesburg and did the securities class that I was doing, drove back and just thought, man, I'm going to go get another $400 at the casino. You got lured again. Lured yeah, again. Got it, lured again. <laughs> they came out and got him. And y'all know what happened. Y'all, you absolutely know what happened. I gave all that 400 back. I still, that was 25 years ago, probably. I still remember it to this day very vividly because losing that $400 at that particular point in time in my life was like losing almost everything. And and so it was really, really uh, bad. But that really does emphasize how yes. we feel about losses. And what I would point out in the realm of investing, if you are properly uh, uh, planned and properly allocated, you're not losing if you don't sell. It is a temporary decline in value, but you haven't realized that value. It is an unrealized loss as opposed to a realized loss. Mm-hmm. Unrealized losses have the tendency to go away. And so if one of the things that I would uh, mention uh, as well, Scott and Tim, uh, that these charts that we are posting are going to be posted in the comments of our Facebook page uh, of this show. So if you can find this show on our Facebook page, Gen Wealth Financial Advisors Facebook page, you can actually take a very long look at these charts and analyze them Please do, because I think it will help you understand more about what's going on in the investment world. Well, there were some big intraday or intra-year negatives yeah. um, all throughout this chart. And that does drive feelings because you say the feelings are more driven when it's markets down rather than when it's up. But then those feelings also drive emotions and drive activity. And that's when a lot of people actually just move over to cash or move to something safe. And you've actually done the exact wrong thing at the wrong time and locked in those losses at that point. Yeah, that gambling analogy was great, John, because in blackjack, you wouldn't have that luxury. It wasn't just an account value. They took your chip after every hand. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It went away. Yep. Right. But in the feeling of loss, and I think about people I've known throughout my life who did a lot of gambling, you know, and they went very frequently. They always told me about the times that they won big. They never told me about all the, you know, if they were quiet after a trip back from the casino, I knew what happened. 
because it stung more. It hurt them more to lose than it did to win. There was no question about it. Well, some wise man told me, you know, they don't build those gambling places on people that lose. Shoot, that's uh, right. People that win, rather. They're, they're, so. they're making money, right? Yeah, absolutely. So we've talked about, you know, again, the theme of today's Get Ready for the Future show. Good investments don't always equal good feelings. You're not always going to feel good about how you're invested. And we're going to show another a couple of charts here about uh, the idea of how feelings or behavior, and that's really what it is, it's called behavioral finance, can make an impact on your overall return. So we've talked about, hey, we, there's a reason not to invest right now, we feel like, because of the uncertainty. We've showed you a chart that shows you there's always a reason not to invest. We've showed you another chart that shows you the market is going to bounce in sharp directions both ways in any given year on average. But what about is there ever a good time to be out of the market? That's the question, right? There the down market nearing retirement, I've got to I've got to make different decisions than what you guys are talking about. Well, let's take a look at a chart from the Dalbar Qualitative Analysis of Investor Behavior. Now that's a big mouthful, but we we took it we took a look here using their study and, and put it on a Gen Wealth chart. Equity investor returns. Now this is measuring 20 21 only so it was a great year in the stock market you can see the s&p 500 was up big that is indicated by the blue chart the average equity uh sub account investor now that's that's talking about uh variable annuities and we're going to get to explaining through that and then the gray bar is the average equity mutual fund investor. So let's talk about this. The S&P 500 is pretty self-explanatory, so we can put that to the side. But the average equity subaccount investor, what that means is a subaccount is a mutual fund-like investment inside of a variable annuity. Yes. Well, so why are we bringing that into play, John? Well, I think that number one, you've got to look at this chart and look at the, the gray bar and the blue bar, first of all. Let's mm -hmm. get that as a baseline because that's comparing the average equity mutual fund investor to the S&P 500. And you see there's a pretty big difference there uh, that, that the average investor underperforms. Now, you might say, well, that's because of investment expenses and things of that nature. There's no investment expenses in the S&P 500, and you would be correct. But it would not represent that big of a difference. What this represents is investor behavior. When you make the wrong move at the wrong time for the wrong reason, then you lose out on equity performance. And that's what happens when people can move from one mutual fund to the other or from mutual funds to cash and, and try to play the market, if you will. Now, the next chart is the, uh, I'm sorry, let's go back, Casey, one more to the yellow bar on that, that, that previous chart. Uh, the average equity subaccount investor. Now, this is where variable annuities come into play. Now, and I'm going to talk a little bit about variable annuities in just a second. So uh, press pause on, on your thought process on annuities. But annuities are long-term investments. And there's not really the, the uh, unction, if you will, or the urge to trade inside a variable annuity subaccount uh, portfolio like there might be in a mutual fund. But annuities are what I call a 59 and a half deal. Uh, you have to be older than 59 and a half to make a withdrawal from an annuity without negative tax consequences in most cases. So what you see here is that even when you are applying this to investor behavior, forcing you to have a longer term perspective actually increases your overall rate of return. 
Now, you can look at this for this 21 year and go, well, that's an anomaly. But Dalbar actually shows you that this influence of negative investor behavior actually runs through any time period that you want to take a look at. Now, let's go to the next chart and look at that. And so check this out. If you take a look at the average of the S&P 500 versus the average equity fund investor, whether you're talking about 12 months, three years, five years, 10 years, 20 years, or 30 years, the negative behavior of an investor tends to water down their performance in mutual funds. And so I think that this is just empirical data that we can look at and say, you know what, Uh, I've met the enemy and it is me Mm -hmm. because I am my behavior, my feelings are influencing my investment decisions. And I'm going to quote our friend Dave Ramsey for just a second. He is very famous for saying this on his show. And I think it's wisdom. So I'm going to share it with you. He says, children do what feels good. Mm. But adults actually have a plan. Mm. And I think that's that's the solution, Tim, is that to, to turn off the feelings and to divorce yourself, if you can, from all of the, the negative news out there and everything and think about your plan, your economy, not the economy. Well, if you watch the evening news, there's all kinds of reasons not to invest. Right. I mean, the world's just falling apart. Mm-hmm. And I think back on some of the investments that I've done over the years and I think the biggest regrets that I have is not giving some of those good mutual funds a chance. I mean, um, they had good long-term history and um, returns and things like that. I might have been in them six months, a year, year and a half, and they weren't performing like I thought they would, so I changed. Yeah. Then I go back five years later and look, and it's like, wow, I should have stayed in there. You right. know, it's 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 being consistent. It's being um, staying the course because if you stay the course and have a plan – then, you know, long term, it shows that, you know, we're going to be just fine. Let's talk about how I'm sorry, John. No, I was just going to say that I think that's a, a, a great point that you made. You know, you as as a financial advisor, yep. before you were an advisor, you made some decisions that today you wouldn't make. Absolutely. And I think probably everybody could sitting here probably could say that same thing in some ways. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And I I think it's interesting how that might play out to a near-term retiree. As we kind of land the jet here on the Get Ready for the Future show, you think about those same types of decisions. 2022, and I'm thinking, 2022 rolls around, and I'm thinking about retiring at the end of the year. And I've had a good run, right? I mean, I've had my money in my 401k, and it's been going up for 20, 30, 40 years, and I'm, I'm ready to go. And then January 2022, into the spring into june i see those account balances drop somewhere along the way we know somebody out there got it all out right we've seen it they moved it it. they moved it on its way down they moved it it might have already been down 10 to 15 before they managed to get it out and they've never put it back in well we just talked about january was up more than five percent you missed that now february went back down but who knows what's march march and april are going to provide so but the point is you got off of the elevator on the low floor and you're sitting in cash because you don't have a plan and that's what it all goes back to here john because when you think about reframing if you're if you're going to not change investments or make investment decisions based on how you feel how do you get out of your own skin to be able to do that and the reality is putting a written plan together on paper on purpose that shifts the thought process from returns, rate of returns, and even account values on a day-to-day, year-to-year basis, really, and starts to talk about my retirement income. And it's placed on that page, John, in a 
monthly definitive robust plan that increases over time you can always refer back to that and that i think helps get the emotions out of watching the market go up and down you're very right about that scott Uh, you've got to be able to think about your economy not the economy your plan not whatever's going on in the world and the way we have kind of packaged that together and and make it into a consumable uh, product is the gen wealth ready to retire process it is a process that we have trademarked here at gen wealth because we have put this together with you our clients in mind and so what does that mean it means that we the first thing that we're going to do is we're going to create a written plan it's going to be, as Scott mentioned, on paper, on purpose. And it's going to be able for you to, uh, to refer back to and roll with as time goes on. We're going to help you to maximize Social Security. How does Social Security play into your situation? We need to look at that. It's not always take the highest check, not to always take it as early as you possibly can. There is a rhyme and reason for how you actually uh, access Social Security. Thirdly, we're going to consider a hybrid retirement. Maybe you want to do some part-time work. Maybe you want to stay active in some way, shape, form, or fashion. This will, uh, will, will include that into the equation in your plan, and it will help you with the longevity of your plan. We're going to protect against inflation. We're going to be in things that are... Uh, Uh, historically had the opportunity to stay ahead of inflation, things like real estate and equity portfolios. We're going to secure some guaranteed lifetime income for you so you know that you know that your basic living expenses are going to be taken care of. We're going to plan for long-term care because that is a big looming issue that you need to address, and it's our duty to help you do that. And also, we're going to defend against taxes. Taxes are going absolutely nowhere but up, and we're going to help you defend against that as well. All right, so that bell means you can get off the couch. The the psychiatry uh, session session is over. The session is over, and it didn't cost you a dime. Boy, how about that? A free hour session. I was just going to say pay at the door, but you shut that down. We're also not a PhD. We'll go ahead and put that (laughs) out there, We can't charge for that. Yes, time for our final thoughts, Tim. Well, I mean, good feelings. I mean, we're going to have negative feelings about investments. We know that money is a tool, and we really need to have a plan for our money. I mean, you wouldn't start building a house without a blueprint. And I really think the main thing is you're not, you don't want to build your retirement income without a blueprint. And that's really the financial plan that we can prepare for you and sit down and really seek, what, seek out what your goals are and build that plan specifically for you. Scott, I would say at GenWealth, our priority is your financial independence, but it has to be your priority first. I think that that's that's the number one thing. It can't be about puffing your chest out about some investment return that you got and bragging to your buddy at the water cooler about it. It has to be how are you going to accomplish and achieve financial independence. You do that through a written plan and a process like we've explained to you today about the ready-to-retire process at GenWealth. All right. So my final thought is an offer for getting that plan. We're in March. March Madness is here. And we are offering through this month half off of your financial planning fee when you schedule for March. And all you have to do is text the word madness. So it's easy to remember. The plan's not going to be madness. March is always We've got to stop the madness of paying <laughs> attention to all this craziness going on in the world and, and actually get down to planning. That's right. So text the word madness to 501-381-5228. Or you can call, do it the old-fashioned way if you'd prefer that, 866-653-PLAN. 
866-653-PLAN to receive half off of your financial planning fee in March. And that's all the time we have for this week's Get Ready for the Future show. Remember, good investments don't always equal good feelings. Refer to the plan to keep your emotions out of it. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Get Ready for the Future show. If you enjoy hearing from the Gen Wealth team every week, make sure and subscribe to the podcast. And if you want to help us get the word out on building towards financial independence, leave us a rating and review. The Gen Wealth Financial Team is available to you 24-7 at info at getreadyforthefuture.com or call our offices at 866-653-PLAN. That's 866-653-7526. You should personally consult a financial advisor before making any investment and no strategy can assure success. Securities offered through LPL Financial. Member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through Independent Advisor Alliance. Independent Advisor Alliance and GenWealth Financial Advisors are separate entities from LPL Financial.